0: You're listening to Privacy Files, the podcast that makes privacy approachable for businesses and consumers alike. This episode is brought to you by Anonymous Labs, makers of MySudo, the world's only all-in-one privacy app, and Sudo Platform, the cloud-based platform companies turn to for seamlessly integrating privacy solutions into their software. Welcome to episode number 23 of Privacy Files. I'm Rich.
1: And I'm Sarah.
0: In our last episode, Sarah and I wrapped up our two-part episode on smart devices and privacy. And honestly, we could have done 10 episodes on that topic. Today, we're peering into the mysterious world of private investigators. From online research and security audits to stakeouts and disguises, these professionals take great risks to ultimately do one thing, find the truth. To provide us with some insight into this exciting profession, we are welcoming Tom Chavez to the podcast. Tom is a licensed private investigator and the co-founder of Dark Horse Intelligence. Tom, welcome.
2: Um, uh, hello. Is, is is this the Amazon call center? Um, I, I, I received the bill today and, and I, I'm calling to inquire about this, sir. <laughs> if you can help me, I, I would greatly appreciate that.
0: Putting it to use already. Oh, this is gonna be fun. I had
2: a head open with that. (laughs) This is definitely gonna be fun. Thanks, Rich. Thanks, Sarah, for for having me on today.
0: Well, Sarah, with that nice little (laughs) intro, are you ready? I am so ready. (laughs) Let's open up a case file on the secretive world of private investigators. So, Tom, I've been dreaming of doing this for a long time, even well before we started this podcast. You know, I grew up in the '80s. I remember watching Magnum PI. It just seemed like wow, what a glamorous lifestyle, and um, and I and I imagine you know there's a lot of tedious work that goes on behind the scenes. So I, I'd like to just kind of hear your perspective, just to start off with, telling our audience, you know, what kind of the what are the general areas that you work in, and just give us kind of a little background on overall what what you've been doing over the last several years.
2: Rich, you know, I, I'm glad that you mentioned Magnum PI. I'm a kid of the '80s, just like yourself. You know, and I think if I had to define myself, it would probably be along the lines of just some nosy guy that has a bunch of useless 80s pop cultural references that nobody gets anymore. But as far as private investigators, you know, for the life of me, I've been extremely nosy. I've been extremely inquisitive into just about everything. And that's pretty much how I got my start in investigating, you know, I, just like you, I grew up watching Magnum P.I., The A-Team, Starsky and a Hutch. In San Diego, where I grew up, one show absolutely hit home for me. And that was, it came on after Magnum P.I. It was called Simon and Simon.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah, I remember that. Simon
2: and Simon was a fictional private detective agency that was in San Diego and whose office building was actually located in the same building where Gaslamp Lamp Corner Investigations, which I am the branch manager of, had its actual business. And that is the Keating Building in downtown San Diego.
0: Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. No,
2: I got my start in San Diego, grew up, born and raised as a teenager. I grew up on the wrong side of the law, was into gangs, you know, had a rough start, had some mentors along the way. That put me on the right track. And I was able to utilize a lot of my experiences growing up into fighting crime. And that's what I do nowadays.
0: Wow, that sounds exciting. So at what point did you make that decision to move into private investigation work? So
2: on my wall behind me, and I know the viewers won't be able to see, is a picture of myself, my business partner, Richard, who helped co-found Dark Horse. And that is a very good friend of ours. Um, Larry Burns. So in the early 90s, Larry Burns was an AUSA for the Department of Justice. He was prosecuting a case of excessive police brutality that occurred to myself. And during the course of that, um, he became a mentor and a friend to me. He was one of the first people that, you know, had a position of authority that told me, Tom, I just don't understand why you're in the position that you are now. You know, you're you're highly intelligent. You should be an executive in somebody's corporation. And, you know, I had heard this much of my life as a youngster, but his words took particular meaning to me. And he and I began a long-term friendship. Um, he mentored me. He inspired me to change my life and to... Um, start working with law enforcement and he is now the, uh, senior chief justice for the Southern district of California.
0: Wow. This is
2: the guy that's responsible for sending cartel heads to prison for an eternity in a day.
1: Wow. Wow. Yeah. He talks about being nosy. And I sort of think of myself, I'm like, Oh, I could have been a PI. I'm pretty good at like finding people. Somebody will say a name and I'm like, I'm going to hunt down through their social media. I can tell you when they were born and I'll use like free public, you know, website, like white pages to be like, I want to know where they live. Are they close to me? I'm, I can get pretty nosy myself. It's pretty fun. Maybe I should have been a PI. <laughs> I'm
2: in the wrong Yeah, field. I mean, a lot of people absolutely have, you know, the knack for doing so. I would suggest that it, A good measure of relentlessness is required in order to be an effective private investigator. I can't tell you how many times, you know, I've been up against the wall just trying to think, well, what else can I find? You know, or maybe there's a a ton of data that still needs to be gone through and I've given up. But then I've come back and dig a little bit more through the data and I just found that, you know, that link that just unlocks everything, you know, so... I always describe it to people. An investigation is kind of like a house that you walk into. You open up the front door. There's a bunch of clues in the room. You have to find that clue, which is a key to unlock the door to the next room and so on and so on until you find what it is that you're looking for.
1: So you're pretty good at those escape rooms they have, those that people do for just fun. You just get thrown people into a room and you can figure out where you need to go. You would
2: think so. I've, uh, <laughs> my, my daughter and I have both lost a couple times in those escape rooms. That but... makes me
1: feel better because I'm terrible at those. I'm just like, <laughs> I just get mad. I'm like, tell me what I'm supposed to do.
0: But yeah, you really have to have a strong desire to like solving puzzles, right? Yeah. I mean, that's really yeah, what it comes like it. down to. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, just like the way you're you're kind of talking about it just makes me think of it's like sometimes you do see the shows where it's like you think they've hit a dead end and it's like all of a sudden there's just like, oh, they just thought of one more thing. That's kind of like what that made me think of. So you are doing more than just dark horse intelligence, right? You're kind of you've got your hands in a couple projects. I think that we saw Recover My Crypto, Gas Lamp, Quarter Investigations. Like, could you tell us a little bit about those?
2: Yes. So they're all investigation agencies. Currently, we underrate our California uh, PI license, which is Gaslight Quarter Investigations. Dark, tel- Dark Horse Intelligence is slated to receive its California PI license any day now. But we've been, uh, Gaslight Quarter Investigations has been in continual operation since 1978. Recover My Crypto, which is a sister company of Dark Horse Intelligence, primarily investigates cryptocurrency crimes. Uh, frauds, thefts, scams, any type of uh, criminal activity that includes a cryptocurrency component. But for the time being, we've kind of like moved everything over to Dark Horse Intelligence. Dark Horse Intelligence is more of a international intelligence investigation agency. And we specialize in cryptocurrency, thefts, frauds, Mm -hmm. ransomware, any type of human trafficking that includes cryptocurrency, which there is a tremendous amount of activity right now.
0: I think oh, people sure. I think people when they usually they they think about cryptocurrency, and I always see all these bad stories in the news, but most people think, wow, it's just secure. So what are some of the like the top two or three things that you see that are so problematic with crypto?
2: Several eons ago in crypto time, which is probably more like 2015, 2016, a lot of people inside of cryptocurrency came from the hacker. Mindset, You know, there was an aversion to regulation, to government interference, to deregulation, as it were. Uh, Nobody wanted to have anyone else privy to what they were doing with financial transactions. You know, and even myself at the time, I thought that this was a more privacy um, way of being anonymous, when in fact, it's actually uh, the opposite. A lot of people have a misconception that cryptocurrency is anonymous when it's more pseudo-anonymous. So, And this is helpful. This is helpful for the consumer. This is helpful for people who are victims of frauds and thefts because cryptocurrency, especially Bitcoin, is absolutely traceable. We can trace it from one wallet address to the next wallet address. Once we can determine that if it goes to an exchange, We can always send a subpoena request through law enforcement to find out who is a subscriber, the identity holder, utilizing KYC policies at those exchanges. A lot of things have happened in recent years that have brought cryptocurrency and the exchanges to the limelight. A lot of frauds, a lot of thefts, a lot of human trafficking that is pushing the industry towards more regulation, more openness. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing for consumers that are, are truly victims in this.
0: I mean, is there a more private way uh, to deal with crypto? I mean, I hear a lot of times about this cold wallet thing versus hot wallet. I mean, is, is there a way to stay more private or is it still there's just limitations?
2: Uh, there is, you know, in, in crypto, you have uh, centralized exchanges and then you have decentralized exchanges. Okay, if you're using a centralized, think of the the difference between me handing you cash and you going to the bank and transferring money through the bank to me. The banks control that environment so they're able to see what's going on within their own network utilizing Swift or you know some other type of transaction uh, methods. Okay. But if it's just cash and I'm handing you cash and you're handing me cash, then nobody knows about it. And that's the most private way of doing something, okay? With cryptocurrency, it's pseudo-anonymous and you could take steps to make it a little bit more anonymous, quote-unquote. But, you know, there's always some sort of traceability, okay? There's always different hurdles that one has to jump through. Even if you're using tumblers, mixers, you know, um, those things we can absolutely see into. And, you know, as time goes on, more technology is becoming prevalent that allows us to see even deeper into these transactions. I would just personally suggest that try to find ways that you can not anonymize yourself, just make yourself more secure, make yourself more fraud resistant.
0: So I guess what what, what I'm hearing is, is it's not... It's not the hackability of crypto that's a concern. It's really watching out for the phishing attacks and the other types of fraudulent activity that could cause you maybe to give up your private keys or to somehow. Yeah, you know.
2: I would I would say that is very much true. Just for about anything we we do nowadays, whether it's cryptocurrency, whether it's you know fiat regular money, your credit cards, your bank accounts, your personal identity. Every single aspect of your life has monetary value to somebody somewhere, whether it's someone that has a financial interest in ripping you off, whether it's a stalker or an attacker or, you know, just someone that wants to be nosy about you. There's always some sort of value attached to every single piece of information about you.
1: Wow. Totally agree.
0: It's a good thing I think I that's why we
1: have MySudo, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like It's like another barrier between you and your personal information.
0: It's a good thing Absolutely. I haven't Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's a good thing I've stayed away from crypto. <laughs>
1: it's a good thing I don't understand much about it then. <laughs> I'm not there yet. <laughs> that's always my limitation.
0: Let's take a quick break for this message from our sponsor. The global average cost of a data breach is nearly $4.5 million, but that's viewing it from a liability perspective. Today, privacy is a value proposition for software providers. When you develop a reputation for protecting customers' personal information, you don't just acquire new customers, you make them loyal. And Pseudo Platform is the world's premier cloud platform for providing developers with a menu of enterprise ready SDKs and APIs that make integrating privacy solutions into your software so easy. Built for developers by developers, from identity wallets and password managers to virtual cards and secure encrypted communications, Pseudo Platform has you covered. Go to market quickly with a privacy platform that is scalable, flexible, and secure. To learn more, visit sudoplatform.com. That's sudoplatform.com. And the gas lamp quarter investigation. So so you also just do some typical uh what we would commonly think of as just regular PI work too? Or are you still oh, yeah? Yeah.
2: Yeah. If if there's a need for a private investigator, you know, even if it's process serving. I mean, we do international work, but I'm here local in Fresno, California. If a person comes to me with a need for something and they can't get help with local law enforcement, with somebody, I'm, I'm more than willing to, to help. Even if they don't become a client, I want to be of value to my community, you know, to the next person. I want to be able to pay forward everything that has been given to me in life and try to give that person some sort of help. Even if it's just a short conversation to hold their hand and tell them, look, there's free ways for you to go ahead and help yourself, even when it comes to privacy. I'll absolutely refer them to colleagues of mine that I trust and admire. For example, if someone comes to me and say, hey, look, I'm the victim of identity theft. What steps can I take to go ahead and, you know, make my life a little bit more private so i don't have to worry about this you know i'll absolutely give kudos to michael bazell tell him look don't don't pay me money you know go to inteltechniques.com they got free tools right there buy his books he will tell you everything it'll cost you less than a couple meals and you'll know everything that you need to know okay but privacy Is a rethinking if you really want privacy in your life it's a rethinking of how we interact with the world we're all too comfortable with just clicking and subscribing and just giving out our personal information to everybody that asks for it
0: completely agree yeah before we get on to like how difficult it is to remain private just one more thing is just on the dark horse intelligence is that You mentioned it's more internationally focused, but it sounds like you have a lot of um, institutional or corporate clients that come to you for requests to do security audits. Maybe you could talk a little bit more about that.
2: Sure. So we get a lot of corporations, a lot of companies that come to us to test the security and the strength of the security protocols that are enacted at their companies. So they'll retain our services and then we'll take a top-down look at everything that they do within their organization. And we'll try to find the weak points that we can breach and bring to their attention and try to address. And and this is where the fun part of being a a part of Dark Horse is. I'll get to have one of my costumes on the wall that you've seen. And I'll start with the receptionist. Everything starts with the receptionist. A, A lot of people will say that, Humans are the weakest link in any type of security. And it is to an extent, but it can be properly managed if the one that's implementing the security protocols knows what knows what he's doing and knows what to look for. So we'll try to breach every single avenue, whether it's social engineering, the receptionist at the front desk. I'll, I'll tell you a true story. So my building where my office is at, is currently next door to a very, very well-known major telecommunications company whose name I cannot say out loud. And every single day I've driven by this building and in the front of the building, there is a secure gate that is, you know, heavily secure and has cameras all around the building. And I've always gone on to the front, rang the doorbell, talked to the person inside, see if I can get inside the building. No. I said, okay, pretty good. And then I'm I'm driving into our building and it faces the rear of the building, which is in the alley. And every day I'm driving in, driving in, driving in. And one day I drive in and I see some guys who are not employees of that company that are moving furniture in and out. And I'm like, hmm, that back dock is open and I just couldn't help myself. I just (laughs) couldn't help myself. I I'm, I'm well-dressed. I, I, I grab a, a clipboard out of my trunk and I just walk over there. Hey guys, what's going on? Just walked in. Like I own the place. Hey, what's going on? Went inside. Next thing you know, um, next to a bunch of different rooms, computer servers, junction boxes. You know, I take selfies of myself, you know, next to the server rooms, given, you know,
1: get to just, just find outside. those vulnerabilities.
2: Yeah, I open up the junction box and do all the switches for all the electricity and just little yes. fun pictures. Yes. And then I contact different people within the organization for this major telecommunications company. And I was dumbfounded by some of the response that I got. One of the guys that responded was just like, so what is it you're trying to tell us? I'm like, well, I'm saying you got potential problems right here. Anyone could just walk in if I had malicious intent I could have absolutely took a thumb drive with software and just took down the whole network he goes well we're the largest security company in the world we don't have a problem my son
1: I just walked in. <laughs>
2: just walked in. <laughs> or okay. you could have been,
1: you know, one of those guys pretending to move furniture and you're like, yeah, I'm here to move yeah. a couch. I saw a video online of some guys that did this at a movie theater. They said they just walked in with a ladder just to pretend like, oh, we're just here to fix something. And they just let them <laughs> ride right on through. They got some free, you know, free movie out of it. That is so funny. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. So it's sort of like the life of a PI we see on TV is like a lot of stakeouts, and they've got binoculars, you know, and they're just waiting oh, for yeah. hours. Is, Those it, are is fun. it? Is it? So you love the stakeouts? I was wondering how is is it really how it's depicted in Hollywood? Is that is it pretty accurate, or what do you think?
2: Absolutely, but I would say it's even more fun in real life. We we did a, a investigation in West Hollywood, of all places, involving a crypto scammer who was using his own name to scam people all over the world of millions of dollars. Okay, and we were working on a case, we were giving information to uh, the FBI and the, uh, what's it, the F, um, some four letter government agency, I can't remember off the top of my head, but everybody was kind of dropping the ball. So. You know, me and my team, me and my business partner, we went out to West Hollywood and we staked out the guy's house that we uncovered because, you know, again, people's information is out there to be obtained if you're diligent and you dig deep enough. And this guy thought he was hidden, but, you know, he wasn't. And the first place that he lived, we kind of put him on blast and he got spooked and he took off running to another rental place owned by the same company and it was easy enough to find him at his next spot. You know, so we started sending him random pictures of us inside the hallways and just letting him know that we're watching him. Wow. We're here. And we're, we're, we're right across the street with antennas collecting Wi-Fi data. And the next part was like, you know what? We need to have somebody just go in. Right. So we called a friend of ours who is a very well-known social engineer and very well-known uh, professional stunt person. And she came over, she asked what we needed and she happened to be in Hollywood. So we sent her in and she went down this stair uh the underground parking for this building, took off her shoes, walked up the back stairway and just knocked on the guy's door. And this person had a penchant for extremely beautiful females. That was was one of the, his things, I guess I I can call it. Right. And he was smitten. He was absolutely smitten. And she was like, in a very thick Welch accent. Hi, you know, um, I'm I'm renting a room down here and uh, my Wi-Fi is out. Could you help me? He's like, oh, yeah, sure. Come right on in. Started boasting and bragging about everything he was up to. And she took a picture of the router, which included the back of the router, which had the Wi-Fi credentials. It was easy as that. So, Get and it. that took maybe less than twenty minutes. That's a quick so, one,
0: Tommy. You've been doing this obviously a, a long time. Investigations, hacking, right? Social engineering. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean, for for the audience, is how difficult is it to remain private today? It's
2: not that difficult. Again, it's a rethinking of how you interact with the world. Everybody loves to give out their personal cell phone number, and I cringe every time you know I hear about that. You should not be giving your cell phone number to anyone, not to your mom, not to grandma, not to the banks, not to, you know, telemarketers, especially not to telemarketers. You should not be giving that cell phone out to nobody. After a while, you should forget what your own actual cell phone number is. You need to use secure phone numbers that are siloed for different purposes in your life. You should have secure types of email addresses that are siloed for different parts of your life. You should be using email forwarding services. So that way, every time you sign up for a service and you wanna to go to the store and you wanna receive promotional codes or you wanna receive discounts, use something that's disposable, that can that has no trace back to you that if, if something happens because breaches are going to happen, that's a fact of life. Almost every single American is the victim of some type of breach, okay? Thank you, Experian. Thank you, Equifax, okay? It's a a fact of life. All of our personal identifying information is out there. We don't need to give more information about ourselves out to people who can, for a couple dollars, go ahead and obtain all of it. We need to take back our information and secure
0: it, and you absolutely can Let's take a quick break for this message from our sponsor.
1: Are you tired of big tech spying on you? MySudo is the world's only all-in-one app that gives you back control of your privacy by creating digital profiles or pseudos. You can compartmentalize your online activities by setting up a unique phone number, email address, and handle for things like shopping, accessing free content and using dating apps. This breaks the data trail linking back to your personal info, thus reducing your digital exhaust. Each Pseudo also includes a private web browser with ad and tracker blocker. Want to stop companies from sharing data related to your transactions and spending habits? Set up a MySudo virtual card and bring peace of mind that your transactions are secure and private. To learn more, visit mysudo.com. That's mysudo.com. Stay private.
0: When you're conducting your reach research, are you mostly using open source intelligence, uh, I guess, techniques? Or are you also employing some that are more proprietary to your type of industry?
2: I will always start with open source information. If I can use OSINT to obtain information about a subject of my investigation, I will do so. And the the easiest reason for that is because it's free. It doesn't cost me anything to find out information about that person. If time is a a matter, you know, and I need to expedite an investigation, yeah, I'll cheat. I have a lot of, you know, resources that are only available to licensed investigators that I can quickly use. And I can have all these details in a minute. It's a little bit more expensive, but it's available. But for me, that's kind of cheating. It it kind of defeats the purpose of what I love doing the most is trying to find out what information is out there about you. How can I find that free? How can I challenge myself and think like criminals think and find that information about you?
0: I think that's why it's so important to kind of have a clean uh, presence online. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Interesting. So you've already sort of touched on some of the ways that you kind of go about as a PI. I'm curious, and I was looking up some stuff online about what a, like a PI can or cannot sort of legally do. So I have some that I wanted to list out. And then I wanted you to sort of say like, yeah, true or false, So, and some of them sort of feel like there's this gray area and sometimes it takes just permission from the person you're looking into. And then there are some that are like, no, you legally can't do that. So I'm curious. Okay. So the first one I saw was that a PI cannot trespass on other people's property. And this one sounded like you're not allowed to trespass on private property, break into or otherwise illegally gain access to any building device, storage area, filing cabinet, or private property without proper perm- permission. So how does that one work?
2: So that's true in most respects. okay and in certain respects, let's say like you need me to serve court documents to somebody a private investigator has the same rights as a process server does to go onto somebody's property for the specific purpose of serving court documents. In that respect, we are acting as agents of the court and we have permission to go to that person's property, knock on their door and present them with legal documents. Okay. As far as breaking and entering, which it's actually is, you know, we're not able to do that. Maybe if there's like a, um, a crime in progress, you know, if I see somebody being murdered inside, inside of a window, then right. I think, you know, maybe some type of good Samaritan law kicks <laughs> yeah. in where I'm legally bound to to help a person.
1: Right. Yeah. I feel like you see on shows people like sneaking into some room into a filing cabinet to look for things. I'm like, I'm pretty sure you can't do that. <laughs> but And you mentioned um, very briefly, sort of like a wiretap situation. So I was wondering about this one. because So wiretap is what we what I've looked online is it's just a device placed on a phone line to intercept and record conversations. And what I've seen is sort of it's like state to state. And there's already like one party consent and two party consent. So how does that one work as a PI?
2: For our company, anytime someone calls our company, the first thing that you will hear is an automated recording of myself that will state, Hi, thank you for calling Dark Horse Intelligence. Please note that all calls are monitored and or recorded for customer quality service. Okay, And that line alone gives me legal permission to go ahead and record any and all calls. And I would suggest to just about everyone, even if it's not for business-related persons, have a call recording system set up so that you can legally record all conversations. After a while, people get used to hearing that and they disregard that they just heard it. So if they call you and they're making threats against you or they're trying to, you know, stalk, harass you or obtain sensitive information from you, you have a recording of that conversation. But now you got to try to figure out how do you record the call? And there's different uh, companies that provide calling services where you can automatically record the phone call.
0: Quick question too, Tom, regarding the trespassing and the wiretapping. Did the same laws apply to you or private investigators as they would to a police officer where if evidence is obtained illegally, that if in a court case, if that ever came up, that that would be thrown out?
2: Yes and no. So you always have to follow the law when collecting information. But sometimes, if even if the information is not usable in a court of law, it doesn't mean that it can't be useful in intelligence gathering for whichever law enforcement agency you're providing it to. So, like, sometimes I record conversations that I'm having with criminals because I need to play this back for my own team at a later time so we can disseminate what it is that we just heard or, you know, the conversation I just had, right? And Certain law enforcement agencies will tell us, well, look, we, we can't use that in a case, but we would still like to listen to it because it helps them get a better understanding of the subject of the investigation.
1: Got it. So the other kind of topics I was wondering about, so these sound like you needed like a subpoena or work with an attorney or something, access to bank records, retrieving phone records or acquiring medical records.
2: Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, A lot of federal laws have been put in place so that you cannot access another person's financial information, medical information without their express written permission. You know, it is unethical and illegal for a private investigator to essentially hack into someone else's uh, accounts without their permission.
0: And you have specific state laws, too, right? Because you're in California.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Now, with that said... That doesn't mean, uh, and, and this is a topic of controversy, okay? And again, this goes back to the only way to beat a criminal is to know how to think like a criminal and how to figure out how is it that they are taking advantage of things that are already in place to to get over and defraud you, to rip you off, okay? So it's a very, very gray area. It's a very, very great area. You can go, if, if I have a certain piece of information about you, I can go to maybe your, your bank and entering in a little bit of that information, it might allow me to see some other information that I did not know about you and compile that into a broader uh, data set, okay? I, I'm not actually accessing your a full account per se, but you know uh, I'm tiptoeing across the line <laughs> you know and depending on who you're talking to, you you know it could be construed as illegal. I'll give you an example. I can't remember what state it was, but a journalist had uh, found a flaw in the website. I think it was a a school, right and I guess he had used the, uh, right-clicked on the, uh, the website to see the page source or the code source for the website, right? And inadvertently stumbled across social security numbers for all of the you know teachers that belong to that government agency, right? Hey, and he reported hey. it. He's a journalist. He reported it. And what happened? The governor of that state wanted to prosecute him for crimes, and it was ludicrous because this was information that was openly available for the entire world to see. Yeah, anybody it's, could have seen it. Yeah, anybody could have seen it, okay? It's just whoever created the website, who was responsible for maintaining it, didn't know what they were doing. And they exposed all of it. I would say that I would be suing the state for not properly maintaining my private information. Jeez, that one's but wow. it happens. Yeah. What
1: about, so this one I was reading was, that you're unable to hack into electronic devices. So this one says, contrary to public opinion, PIs cannot hack any form of electronic devices, including phones, computers, emails, and social media accounts. What about that one, is that true or false?
2: Now, it depends. If, if you hire me to hack your devices, then I have legal permission to do so. Right, but if you are hiring me to investigate someone else, I am not allowed to hack into their devices Without some sort of green light from law enforcement, which okay. is probably really difficult to get.
1: Right. You'd have there's to have a, a lot really of really good place. reason to do that.
2: <laughs> you have to have a very, very good reason to do that. But I mean, movies are, are fun. Movies about hacking are extremely fun. But really, in, in real life, a lot of people just put their information out there. There's no need to hack into anything. Just about anything you want to know about anyone is available out there.
1: I would totally agree with that. (laughs) Some people are over sharers. That's for sure. It's already there. You don't have to try too hard to find it. Thanks to social media. Right. It's all there. Um, Another one that said that you could do was that um, you can work with the police. This one sort of seems sort of like a given, you know, that PIs can put sort of on retainer to give second opinions and stuff on police cases. What about that one?
2: Oh, absolutely. Private investigators have gone back with law enforcement back to the beginning of law enforcement itself. I routinely work with, federal law enforcement agencies around the world, whether it's the FBI, whether it's the United States Secret Service, whether it's law enforcement agencies in different countries, even locally, if there's a need, we're there to be of service to law enforcement and to the community and especially to our clients. Nowadays, you know, there's a lot of people that are disgruntled about life that have their own opinions about law enforcement. They want to defund the police. They want to see law enforcement agencies uh, staffing reduced and it's having a devastating impact on how they're able to, you know, victims of crime.
1: Absolutely. I
2: will tell you in Fresno alone, I work routinely with the Financial Crimes Unit here in Fresno at the Fresno Police Department. And they are woefully under budgeted, understaffed, and, you know, they're not able to properly help a city of well over a million people. And sometimes these people of crimes, they they reach out to law enforcement and they'll be told, hey, look, I apologize. But, you know, the most that we can do is take a police report. Your best bet is to change your credit card numbers, change your bank account numbers and monitor your credit reports in a pinch. Hire a private investigator, and they can help you. And that's what they do. They come to us for help, and I will go out of my way to try to help these people of, of crimes.
1: That's a great perspective on it. I can't go down that that hole with you. But I totally agree that you're defunding people that are trying to help people. And if you're taking that away, they can't do it. So it's nice to see I don't think most people would probably connect that that if you are short on a resource where you wanted it, a PI could probably be another alternative for you to use.
2: Yeah, I'll I'll tell you about a recent case that we had. So we had a, a client That came to us whose husband was the victim of identity theft. Criminal was going around with a master key to postal boxes and was just stealing people's mail. Okay, and one of those pieces of mail was the client's driver's license that came in the mail, took that information, probably stole the rest of the information online and was just going all over Fresno. Uh payday loans, walked into uh Wells Fargo and stole a thousand dollars, trying to buy vehicles at different places.
0: It happened the so
2: fast. Department. Yeah. Yeah, went to police department and told them, hey, look, you know, someone's going around uh use my identity. They were like, sorry, there's not too much that we can do, you know. Uh we could take a report, you should uh file this with the FTC and you know, monitor your credit reports. And they actually said, you might want to try a private investigator. So they came to us. And within three days, I had identified who this anonymous person was, because criminals aren't that hard to outthink. And we were able to figure out that he was going to go to a certain motorcycle dealership and purchase a vehicle. And we had warned them in advance, hey, this guy is going around trying to buy vehicles, trying to buy motorcycles. He's probably going to hit you guys up. And that's exactly what he did. So when that happened, they contacted me. Hey, that person was just here a little while ago and wanted to buy a motorcycle. They set up the buy. I contacted the Financial Crimes Unit. They were happy. They were extremely happy. We did all the heavy lifting for them. We did all of the preparation. They came out in tactical gear. We set up a, a sting operation. And within a few hours, we had the guy in handcuffs. That's awesome. And a few <laughs> weeks later, he signed a deal to go to prison for four years. Jeez. And the client was extremely happy.
1: Three days. That's crazy. I've I've mentioned to Rich that my house a few years ago, we were actually burglarized while we were sleeping. And they obtained my, my whole wallet. So my driver's license and everything. And thankfully, they had camera footage of where they were out shopping with my stuff at three in the morning. And the cops were like oh yeah we've seen this guy before so they were able to kind of sit outside his house but i sort of think for myself like had they not known who he was i would this is good to know that it's sort of another option that if the police you know they're they're so busy with so many things and so if they didn't have the time or the resources to do that i could sort of probably have another option to go to somebody that could help me figure out who is this person you know he's got my identity he's got my my credit cards you know stuff like that so thankfully my guy was taken down and that was resolved but it's such another avenue that I don't think we think about as being another resource. So that one's great. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, no, I, I absolutely agree. There's a lot of steps that we as consumers, as the public, you know, can take to protect ourselves, not just our our physical selves, but our our digital selves, all of our information, you know, we need to take steps to properly protect and secure those things, even usernames and passwords. You know, we have a, a tendency to reuse the same username and passwords for everything that we do. And all it takes is one data breach to expose that information. And now someone can go ahead and use that across the board at everywhere that you might go. There's even tools where someone will send you a random text message. Say, hey, you just been resubscribed for a- another month to Spotify. And maybe you do have an actual Spotify account, but you don't recognize that chart, so you click on the link. Now that link takes you to another website that is an IP not only an IP logger, but it allows whoever clicked on it, that attacker, to see everything that your browser is currently logged into, all the different services, all the different types of accounts. Now I have an additional piece of data that I can go ahead and start utilizing against you immediately. I don't have to start shooting in a barrel for fish. Now I have a more targeted attack against you you're logged into Bank of America, you're logged into Lane Bryant, you're logged into Victoria's Secret, whatever. I have much more detailed information about you. And it's getting more sophisticated every single day.
1: Rich and I always talk about that. We get at least one text a week, probably of somebody... Oh, yeah, it, those social engineering attacks. That's a good episode for people to listen to.
2: Oh, so, I love those.
1: Yeah. they're it's, it's crazy how tricky these people are. And so one of the things that I definitely wanted to talk to, because before we started recording, you showed us some of your costumes of sorts that you have over there. So legally, some things you can impersonate, you know, certain jobs and things like that, but there are some you can't. So a police officer, obviously, no one can impersonate a police officer. What about like a doctor or medical expert or any of the other costumes you've got over there? I'm curious about.
2: Well, I, I think it would be inappropriate, probably illegal for you to walk into somewhere and to sit, claim that you were a doctor and then begin administering <laughs> some sort of medicine or, you know, a procedure upon that person. Right. But it, you know, it's not illegal for you to wear a doctor's jacket, you know. To have a, a, a name badge that just says your name on there without saying the word doctor, that's not illegal. What people perceive to you to be in their mind, there's a difference between that. Now, if I go out there and I'm representing myself as a doctor, yes, my name is Dr. Tom. I'm here to take your uh, temperature or whatever. In some respects, that probably is illegal, but you know, I have a, a doctor's outfit on my wall. Um, I don't have a thethoscope, although I would like to have one, but- <laughs> No, it's for DNA testing. And we do have the DNA kits here that you can buy at uh, drugstores. And it's just for the purposes of collecting that from certain clients that wish to have that administered. I also have costumes for like uh, different delivery services, different utility companies, you know, and we use those to wear uh, not to present ourselves as a person from that company, but just to blend into the community. So that way we don't stick out like sore thumbs, like who's this random guy just sitting out there in a car, which has happened, you know, and they call the police. Now, I, at least I could walk around the neighborhood and people think I'm just delivering something to them. Got Sometimes it. if I'm doing a proof of service. I can walk up to their door wearing a very well-known recognizable brand. And I'm not saying, Hey, I'm from such and such place. I'm just a guy with the box who's delivering something. Hey, I got a package. Yeah. Who's it for? Well, I don't know. It's for this guy. It's for rich. Yeah. Oh, that's that's for me. Yeah. Here. Who's it from? I don't know. It's someplace, New York. (laughs) You want to sign for it? Look at me, look at package. Sure. Go ahead and sign your name. Okay, here you go. And then I'll hand you your paperwork underneath. Here you go. You've been served. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's
1: a great way. I was sitting there. I'm like, where's this going? And I love that. Because
2: <laughs> yeah. some people, if people they know it. Conduct. Yeah, if
1: people know it's coming, they'll, hmm. you know, they won't answer the door. They'll try to evade it. So that's that's clutter. So disguises,
0: <laughs> disguises are a big part of this.
1: Yeah. So you yeah, wouldn't just true. walk up in like an Amazon vest and say, I'm with Amazon. Here's, you know, like you wouldn't say no. that you're just wearing it to blend in for the most part. So people aren't questioning why you're just sitting out here watching yeah. someone.
2: Yeah. And oftentimes I record these things, you know, for proof to the courts that I've actually served these documents. So that way someone can't walk into court and say, Hey, look, I never got served. I wasn't properly served. And then I can, you know, refute that by saying, no, you haven't, served. I have the video right here. You accepted this box with some wooden toy wheels in it that was from a fake address, and 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 that's another thing. You know, I won't ever use a legal address or an actual address. I'll just make up some random address: one, two, three, seven Main Street in a fictional zip code. They don't know it's a fictional zip code, but you know, it's it, it's to no it's from nobody, but it's going to this person's name. I just need to see if that person will accept it. And that way I can confirm that he is actually who he is. He signs a piece of paper, you know, and hey, yeah, that's his signature, your honor. That is his signature right there. The judge, you know, and I always reference Judge Judy and say, sir, is that your signature? (laughs) Yes. Okay.
1: So you mentioned, you mentioned the video. So are you wearing like a body cam? Like how, how does being recorded in video in a sense, come into privacy or legal aspects.
2: Technology is amazing. They have some new sunglasses, uh, that are collaboration between Ray-Ban and Facebook. Okay. And they have cameras built into it. And all you got to do is say, Facebook, take a picture, Facebook, record a video, and it will automatically hear your voice and start recording 60 second clips that go automatically to your Facebook page. We have body cams, we have pinhole cameras, you know, there's a lot of different technology that we can use. Most oftentimes I just have my my cell phone in my hand and I have one of these FedEx, you know, envelopes or, you know, a different mailing envelope just like that. And I just have it on record while I'm talking to the person and that way I can hold it up with the camera (laughs) facing them. Yeah, hey, uh, I got a package for uh, Sarah (laughs) you Are you Sarah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now I got you on video said so yeah I'm sure wow
1: that's interesting
0: that's very clever I'm,
1: I'm curious so these glasses is that something that you guys use because we hear Facebook uploading to it and now I'm like I'm getting nervous somebody's got pictures up there <laughs> so is it you guys using Facebook sunglasses to send this stuff or anybody can buy it what is that
2: yeah no anybody can buy these you can oh, go to the goodness. local store I think they have them available at um, Sunglass Hut you buy them online Few hundred bucks.
1: I had never know. heard of those. Oh my gosh! Yeah. I'm surprised no, influencers some, aren't
2: using those
1: for their like oh, everyday. Yeah. You know, take a picture. I'm here. You know, it's like.
2: It's I actually cool. see the clips for that all the time, randomly when I'm watching YouTube, and, and I've disregarded them. But I see them, and you know, they're great. They're great for use. That way, you're not sitting in some random place and you're just holding up a cell phone, pretending like you're you're surfing on it, watching it, but you're really pointing at someone. You know, there are some people that are wondering, why is that guy holding the camera towards me? Are they recording me? Right. Now I could just be randomly looking around and video, you know, somebody. And anything that you video out in public, I mean, hey, it's kind of an automatic consent. Now, I can't put that out there on social media or anything. There's laws against that. There's paparazzi laws against that, you know, especially in California. But that doesn't mean I can't record it.
1: Got it. That makes sense. So, what about um, this one? Was sort of fuzzy for me. Um, it's the last one I had on my list. Was tracking someone with, with GPS. What's uh, sort of the can or cannot with
2: that? So, tracking somebody with GPS in the state of California is a misdemeanor. Okay. So, I cannot legally go and put a GPS tracker on somebody's vehicle. Now, if a client comes to me and let's say like a child custody case, right and they're saying, hey, look, the father of my my child, um, he's a drunk, and I believe that he's driving around with my daughter while he's drinking. And I'm concerned about that. And I want you to find out about that. It, it's, it's difficult. I have to figure out how can I investigate this person and stay within the boundaries of the law. So I'll utilize different legal ways to do so. So maybe I'll take um, and I think I have one in my pocket right here.
0: I'm thinking of one of these
2: Samsung tags that I always keep with me for whatever purpose that I might need. And this will, you know, track somebody I can easily put this in a child's backpack or one of their favorite toys with the consent of one of the parents. Okay. So that way we can monitor where that child is at any given time. Okay. Now I can't put a tracker on daddy's car, but maybe, you know, I have a concerned neighbor who you know is favorable to the, the mom you know and they'll allow us to install a remote camera on the outside of their house you know the the blink ring doorbell variations oh, you yeah. know put one outside and just continually monitor live 24/7 what somebody is doing Interesting. And interesting. anytime that person leaves the house and gets into the car with the child, now we have something we can go ahead and actively investigate. It doesn't require me to have to sit in a car 24-7 and it's going to charge or it's going to cost the client a tremendous amount of money. Now I can do things remotely and get into action if I ever need to.
0: Now, I was thinking about the Apple AirTags.
1: Yeah, I've seen... Um people actually like sewing them into their kids' shoes because kids lose backpacks, kids lose things, you know, and I've seen where they like sew them into their shoes. So if I would probably do that, I'm always such a nervous wreck. So I'm sort of wondering between all the costumes, all the tools, the sunglasses and stuff like, can you personally spot another PI or an undercover cop? Is it pretty easy for you to spot them or is it, are they pretty clever?
2: I would say it's easier to spot a cop, an undercover cop. Really? Some of them, you know, they're pretty obvious especially if you see two Caucasian guys in a vehicle driving around the block a few different <laughs> times you know, in, 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 in a unmarked sedan, you know, or, or a white van, it's suspicious. Like, wait, 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 that, that van just went around the third time. Who's in the van?
1: I've got a nosy neighborhood. I've seen people are like, Hey, have you guys seen that red car driving around this guy? I've never seen him before. You know, so it's like, got everybody's got to keep their eye out. Neighborhood watch.
2: That's where OSYNC comes into play too. I mean, there's such a a variety of apps like Nextdoor. You could be using Nextdoor. You can be using Neighbors. You know, it's community, people in your community that are uploading their home videos, their cameras outside the house to the neighborhood. They're all doing neighborhood watch in effect. And they're the first ones to start telling you, hey, has anyone seen these kids riding around the block on the bikes? You know, or this random person walking around late at night? They'll be the first ones. And, and we use those tools in our investigations as well. Sometimes we can't get access. Somebody doesn't want to give us a, a copy of their their video or they don't have it, but they've already put it on, you know, one of these uh platforms, and we can go ahead and get it from there. Those are great places to obtain information about somebody during an investigation. Very
0: cool. Hmm. You've talked about a lot of different things. You're kind of you're kind of scaring me a little bit, Tom. Should the average person be concerned? I mean, you, you mentioned as a private investigator, a licensed PI, you have access to certain proprietary things that the general public doesn't. But overall, I mean, how, how concerned should the average person be? You mentioned being very careful about minimizing your digital footprint, of course, online. But how concerned should they be? And what kind of tips would you would you give people if they are concerned about their personal data?
2: You know, the first thing is try to, I mean, you should be absolutely concerned. I mean, I was in the hour before we started uh, recording, I was going to take one of you guys as a personal demonstration and start just sifting through public (laughs) information and find out, uh, you know, what could I use in the social engineering attack? And I actually found a couple of things about Sarah, you know, that I probably could have, you know, worked upon and and exploited (laughs) it to, to some We'll take this off
1: the air. I'm curious. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and the same time, it's like, I want to know where my vulnerabilities are. Cause it's like, you see like private social media status. Is that enough? Like if you're somebody that's like, if that's the only platform I'm on, is that something that's enough going private?
2: Yes and no. I mean, a diligent attacker will find a way to penetrate layers of your security Okay? It's just finding out enough information to make it personal to you so it appears to be authentic. So if if we were using some information that you've publicly put on your social media accounts, I will try to investigate that a little bit further. Even if you are not publicly disclosing any of that information, maybe somebody, let's use Facebook, uh, Facebook for an example. Let's say most of your stuff is private, okay? but you have a few pictures up still, right? And there's likes on there. Maybe if I click on those likes, I'm able to see who it was that liked, liked that information or that information that you were sharing. Now I can go ahead and contact them and under some sort of guise, whether I'm trying to hire you for a job, you know, I've already taken some information from your LinkedIn, saw that you were working here, you were working there and say, hi, yeah, I'm so-and-so from Nomi. And, you know, I would like to hire Sarah for a job. And, you know, we just want to go ahead and validate her employment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know, Sarah. She's wonderful. Yeah. She worked for us for a certain amount of time and she was great. Yeah. Could you tell me a little bit more? What are her strengths? What are her weaknesses? You know, Legitimate stuff that you know people would utilize.
1: He's using you know? real information right
2: now. I'm getting fidgety. Oh
1: <laughs> I saw your eyes. I was widen. like, oh no, he found something yeah. on me. <laughs> you
2: know, and, and and this is information that you know we share. I mean, me, I always look at it like this. Look, if if you can rip me off, if you can find information. That leads to me being a victim of, of financial fraud or whatever. Hey, more power to you. You know, I get alerts about everything. You know, I try to, you know, secure every single aspect of my life. I use, you know, I use my pseudo to secure all my phone numbers. I have several different phone numbers for all different purposes. You know, I have uh, my pseudo email addresses for different parts of my life. You know, I have a bunch of other different email services. If we were talking about Proton Mail, probably have hundreds of proton mail addresses for, I don't know, for, I, I lost track. I always create new virtual digital identities for every single thing that I do. Yeah. We've talked
1: about like diversifying. Cause it's like that concept of putting all your eggs in one basket. If you're putting them all under one email, that one email is like going to take yep. you down. But if you've diversified it, very little yeah. of you can be
2: hurt. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Especially if you get locked out of your account. I mean, you don't even have to be a victim of identity theft to become a victim. You can inadvertently, you know, Google, you know, scans emails and and they say it's anonymous, but they're still scanning emails for all type of information. And in one case, I think a parent may have had an, an image of their infant child undressed and. I think they were sharing it with a doctor for some sort of legitimate purpose, yet Google flagged it and suspended that account. So they were locked out of that account and all of their, you know, life information, their bank accounts, you know, their secure passwords, everything were tied to that Google account. Now they're stuck, they're out of luck. So that's another reason why you want to silo different parts of your life have secure, strong email addresses. That are, you know, that are encrypted, that are not tied to other things. So that way, if you become a victim of being locked out of your account or you become a victim of a crime, you know where it's occurring and you can disregard that, you know, that email address, that phone number and get a new one and keep moving on.
1: God, that yeah. telehealth stuff is sort of yeah. like, people are getting really trusting because everything is over the phone, especially mm-hmm. ever since 2020, you know, I was taking a doctor appointment over a phone call with a doctor, but <laughs> sending pictures like that, you really have to be careful, especially if it's your child or it's a yeah. personal private photo, you need to be aware of that. Yeah.
0: You know, Tom, we, f- before we were started recording, I, I did some OSINT techniques, you know, called the the Google. And uh, yeah, and I found uh, you have amazing. So Dark Horse Intelligence has got incredible reviews on Google. So I, I guess what I wanted to ask you is, what makes a one PI better than the next, and what what keeps you going?
2: PIs are a dedicated bunch, and there's a great number of private investigators around the world. I think the main thing that that separates me from a lot of different private investigators is my determination to provide the high, and this is something I've coined. It's the, providing my clients with the highest caliber of investigative services possible. You know, sometimes I go beyond the budget that I've been given by a client to provide services to them. And I probably could charge more, but I, I love being able to help people. I love being able to help them get answers to things that, they, you know, they can't get help f- for. You know, whether it's from law enforcement, whether it's, you know, they just don't know what to do. When they come to me and they pay me their hard-earned money to help them do something, I take that very seriously. I take that, you know, I'm very blessed to be at this point in my life and to be paid to do what I love doing, which is helping other people using skills that I've been gifted
1: yeah. It's not just a job somebody would fall into because I'm looking for a nine to five. You're getting into being a PI for a very specific reason, yeah, which is to help. Yeah. People.
2: Yeah. Yep. I truly love helping people. I'm very fortunate that, you know, I have a, a wonderful wife who loves me, who supports everything that I do, who is every bit the great investigator that I am. And i sometimes I would debate that she's probably even a better investigator than I am.
1: I think women, uh, especially scorned women, we can find <laughs> things when we need to, we can hunt something down.
2: And, and, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> relentlessness. Oh yeah. And it, and it looks like yeah, the industry is growing. The power of a woman's determination. Right. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And I was looking, um, Rich just mentioned it. Um, I was actually looking at it, and jobs for private detectives and investigators are actually projected to grow. Like I think I saw 13% through 2030. So, Tom, why do you think that there's just this growing need for this field?
2: I think it absolutely has to do with the reduction of budgets in police department, law enforcement agencies, you know, not just across the country, but across the world. There's a large movement to defund police. There's different reasons why. Everybody has their motivations. You know, everybody has their reason. You know, I I think with the advent of platforms like Facebook, people are now being segregated into their wants and desires and their needs. You know, so whenever there's something that comes out against police, now you have a large vocal community that spread whatever it is that they want to talk about and be heard. So and and politicians listen to that, you know. And hey, it's it's a crazy world that we live in. A lot of police officers decide that they no longer want to be police because it's just too it's too risky politically. It's too much injury. uh, It's been scary for them for a few years. Yeah, Yeah. you know.
1: Yeah, when I saw this and trying to think about why are PIs so needed now, I I didn't make that correlation until you brought it up about the whole police being defunded and it's just this resource is being hurt so this one is sort of growing in a sense i just it's unfortunate that because of you know that i don't know fortunate unfortunate about why it's growing but i hadn't made that correlation before you brought that up so that's very interesting and i need to
2: say just you know and i I, I never thought I would be making these public types of statements, but right. I'm going to go ahead and say it now. I'm neither Republican nor Democrat. I have no you know, particular affinity for any particular political party. I'm all for the people. I love being able to be of service to my clients, whoever they are. It doesn't matter what gender you are. It doesn't matter what political affiliation you are. I don't care if you like dogs. I don't care if you like cats, you know. I, you know, I kind of like both those animals, but (laughs) I I, I love being of service to people. I don't care if you're from the United States. I don't care if you're from China. I don't care if you're from the United Kingdom. I'm here to help you.
1: Right. All about the truth and the right. That's
2: what I like people to know.
1: Very cool. So I guess a question that we had written down here was sort of how do you determine when and when not to accept a case? Have you ever not accepted a case before?
2: Oh, yeah. Many times you know, so being a private investigator, you get a lot of people from, you know, all different parts and walks of life. You know, you get people that are are truly victims of crime, you know, and just like law enforcement, you get a lot of crank calls, you get a lot of people that might be in need of some sort of mental health treatment. But I, I want to be of service to, you know, people, I want to be service to my community. So whether or not a person is experiencing sort of mental difficulties. I will try to treat them with compassion and try to figure out how can I provide this person with resolution. Sometimes people have anxieties, you know, people have difficulties that they're experiencing in life. Maybe their their medication is not being properly managed, you know, and, and they're experiencing an emotional uh, trauma in their life that is causing them to believe that they're being stalked, that they're being harassed. I'm going to try to figure out uh, using my investigator tools in my mind to try to figure out what's going on here. What is occurring? You know, what would be the best course of action? I want to be very, very objective in understanding what it is that's causing this person, some, some kind of, uh, difficulties. Yeah. So
1: you know? you're sort of doing that preliminary to decide, yeah. am I the person to help them or can I guide them to somebody else? That's a better resource. Exactly. Got it.
0: Tom, cool. th- this is, um, this has been amazing. I think, I <laughs> think we you've fun. scared me, you've scared me a little bit, <laughs> maybe a little bit more than uh, when we started. And, uh, but I, I think this is super informative. I know uh, I'd love to have you back on here again sometime in the near future. Anytime. If, yeah. if people need to leverage or utilize your services, how can they get in touch with you?
2: So you can go to our website 24 seven and that website is darkhorseintel.com. And we have different intake forms for all our different services. And you can reach out to us anytime day or night. And one of our agents will be there to assist you.
0: That's super awesome. Tom, uh, Tom, any uh, closing thoughts, maybe any, Things you want to recap or parting messages before we before we go?
2: Yeah. If you are a scammer or you are a criminal or you are taking advantage of one of our clients, rest assured, I'm going to find you. Mm -hmm. I it's not a matter of if it's just a matter of when and I'm coming at you (laughs) with every single thing I got and I'm going to make sure I take you down. Titan
0: words. He's doing it. He's coming for you. Be warned. Tom's on his way. He's great. Yeah.
1: The reviews about you are great. So I hope you... I appreciate that. ...more people. Thank you.
0: Well, that's going to do it for this episode. In our next episode, Sarah and I will be talking about taxes. Yes, it's tax season in America. And the filing deadline for your federal income tax return is Tuesday, April 18th. And if you're like most Americans, you're probably filing online. But... Is it private and secure? Until next time, don't forget, privacy is a human right.